Hey there, it's Jonathan Tepperman, Editor-in-Chief of Foreign Policy Magazine, and this is FP Playlist. Each week I'm going to help you make sense of the crazy mess of podcasts out there by recommending one show from somewhere around the world. This week we hear from Radio Diaries, a show that's been around for more than two decades, on the radio and later as a podcast. The show's producers give ordinary people tape recorders and work with them to report on their own lives. On this particular episode, you'll hear from an incredibly poised young Saudi woman, Majd Abdelghani, who's trying to figure out just what her adult life is going to look like. And she's confronting one particularly big question, which is marriage. Before we get into it, though, here's a quick conversation I had with Joe Richman, the founder and executive producer of Radio Diaries. So, uh, Joe, it's great to talk to you. Tell me a little bit about how Radio Diaries got started. Uh, the show's been around for a long time now. Yeah, I actually started doing um, diaries with teenagers, a series called Teenage Diaries back in the mid-90s. So a group of teens around the country in all different situations, and I gave them tape recorders, and they recorded you know, stories about their lives from a young teen mom to a kid who had crossed illegally over the border from Mexico um, to a kid with Tourette's. You know, the idea was just to um, to document people and going through different things in their lives and to kind of paint a picture of teenagers around the country. And it just kind of expanded from there. We did mm-hmm. a series in prison. We did a series in a retirement home. But I have to say, we've always come back to working with young people. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. But, um, you know, for one thing, that they're just usually going through something. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of time. <laughs> and um, right. and they also just, like, have this sense that everything they say is important mm-hmm. and interesting. Um, so all of that is really useful <laughs> in a diarist. <laughs> That's great. And I, can, I must imagine when you got started in the mid-'90s that there weren't many or any other people doing this kind of thing, featuring recordings by and about. I, I hate the word ordinary people, but non-journalists, especially teens. Yeah, I mean, you know, there had been this whole movement of video diaries back, you know, in the 80s mm. and 90s. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that um, that makes it work so well on radio is that, like, the technological hurdles aren't as big. But more important, like, radio is just kind of really well-suited for kind of looking at yourself mm. in a sense. And, like, that intimacy and that sense of... Um, Getting to really know a character, I think, is one of radio's superpowers. And so I think doing these audio diaries was just a natural fit for radio. Right. So um, tell us how the episode we're featuring today came about. You know, some of these stories, it's like we kind of go looking for a topic. And some, we just kind of find a great character. And this is definitely the latter. I mean, I was not looking to do a story about um, a young girl in Saudi Arabia. That was the last thing on my mind. It just didn't occur to me. And we found an essay that Maj had written for this kind of personal essay website. And she had a kind of a lovely writing style and just seemed interesting. And we got in touch. And, you know, she's an example of someone who right away you feel like you know. Mm -hmm. And that all of a sudden became really interesting. This country that I Hadn't really, hadn't really thought much about, didn't really have much interest in. Um, but certainly, you know, the story of women in this country that is um, so oppressive to women, you know, having an inside look into that from, you know, this young woman who kind of sounds like she could be living next door mm-hmm. 
um, I think that sudden, certainly became really intriguing. And, you know, it's remarkable how um, poised and how good at this um, Medj turned out to be. But nonetheless, what you got from her must have been pretty raw. How do you, how do you go about making, um, in general, and in this episode, amateur audio um, compelling and interesting and tight? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, typically the diarists record, you know, say three months, sometimes to a year. Maj recorded uh, for more than two years. <laughs> wow. So she recorded a lot of tape. And there are a couple reasons for that. Um, one is just, you know, the mundane reasons of we were working on other projects and weren't focusing on this uh, all the time. Another reason is that she just loved recording. I mean, she just – she's someone who really used the recorder as a journal, as a diary. And she just loved sitting on her bed late at night and talking to it. So we had tons of that kind of tape. Um, altogether, she recorded maybe um, between 50 and 70 hours of tape. That's a lot. Um, and, you know, and the sitting on, the, on her bed, you know, talking into the recorder is a lot of it. But, you know, the most important stuff are really the scenes, you know, going out and do thing, mm-hmm. doing things and talking to people. But um, the real reason that her diary took so long, frankly, is um, we weren't sure what it was about. You know, we knew that she was a great character. We knew that it was interesting to get this kind of like, uh, you know, inside look at, at a, at, you know, at a, at a world that um, was very unfamiliar to me and I think a lot of American listeners. But we didn't know what really what the story was. And I think, um, you know, at one point we got some tape back where it's in the story where she um, – her, her mom presented her with sort of a possible suit or a possible marriage proposal. And she was like, there is 0.00000% chance um, that I will marry this guy. And that just it, – it suddenly clicked that her story was really about marriage. Mm. And so in a sense, we were just kind of waiting to see what happened. I'm curious what kind of support um, Majd had at home um, for doing this, whether her family was into it or not. Yeah, I mean, her dad and her brothers were not into it. They were willing. They didn't stop her. But they um, they were not into her doing the story. And, um, you know, and I, I I was told why, you know, because men in Saudi Arabia, you know, their reputations are at stake. You know, their reputations are dependent on their wives and daughters. And um, so, you know, so they were concerned. They um, Her dad didn't want to participate. But they did let it happen, and I don't. I think that's partly the force of her own kind of will and determination, because she really wanted it to happen. Um, and I think it's also a sign of of, of their family. Um, and there is the scene in the story with her brother, which is really kind of the heart of the whole of the whole story, which he is, I think, partly hamming it up, but also it's like a real kind of window into um, the relationship between men and women in that in that world and brothers and sisters. Um, so you're not a Middle East expert. Um, what did you learn about the region, about Saudi life um, from listening to Majd? Yeah, I am so not a Middle East expert. Um, and, you know, on one hand, what we were looking for is a story that could translate, you know, that could that was for a U.S. audience. And Majd is such a good translator in that sense. But you know, part of doing a story like this when you don't really know the topic, you know, part of it is to bring in people who do and to kind of 
stay open to our own kind of biases and, and blind spots. And I think one way that I, I remember um, realizing the blind spots that I personally had is, um, you know, we had taken out some tape where she talked about how much she loved being veiled. Um, and I learned just like how important that was for her and also how important that is to have in the story too. You know, she talks about like how much she loves that she can um, – wear makeup or look pretty or the way, the kind of the, the confidence she can feel um, being veiled. And that was really a new eye-opening for me. Yeah, that's fascinating. So let's now hear the episode itself. This is Medj's diary, two years in the life of a Saudi girl. It's from the show Radio Diaries. Hello, listener. <clears throat> this is Medj. I live in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and I turned 19 today. Oh, okay, that's my alarm. It thinks I'm asleep. It's 6.45. I'm just here in my room, and I'm about to do my morning stretches. I like to count in Japanese when I do them. Ich, ni, san, go, rock, sech, hatch. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to introduce my family to the mic and you to the family. There's my immediately older brother's room to the left. Hi, Mohanad. Can I interview you? Can you talk about your work? Uh, work is great. Go. Hi. I have four brothers. I'm the only girl. And now I'm passing the family sitting room. We have two big bookcases because my parents have all kinds of books. We're a family that loves reading. So now I'm in the kitchen with my brother, my younger brother. Ma'ad, what are you eating? Is this cornflakes? Nodding. They don't hear nodding. You have to say yes. In Arabic, it's cornflakes. Cornflakes. My mom is here. <laughs> Something funny just happened, and my mom just told me about it. She got a call from some guy's mother, and she said that, you know, we heard you have a beautiful daughter, and we, we want to get our son married to her. <laughs> my mom, she says her first instinct was to tell her, no, my daughter is too young, and just try to end the call as soon as possible. But she said, I stopped myself because I felt like I need to acknowledge that you're growing up. And she told the mother that she can come over on Monday or Tuesday. So I told her, you know, listen, my mom, the chance that I will agree to this person is 0. 0.0000001%. I have my purse, I have my phone, I have my book. Okay, I'm putting on my abaya. It's all black. I put on before I leave the house. And I'm wearing my naqab. It's this fabric that covers my face except my eye area. So I'm hoping it's not masking my voice or anything. It sounds counterintuitive, but for me at least, it's kind of liberating. It gives me such anonymity. Nobody knows who the hell I am. So, bye for now. <laughs> okay, I'm recording in the college. 
at King Saud University. I'm a bachelor's student of clinical lab sciences. The campus is really new. Basically, a lot of grass and a lot of palm trees. The male campus has been there since forever, and now they moved the female campus next to it. There's not a single man on campus. And if they are, they're in, like, in basements, and they have a special entrance, so you never run into them. That's why I can laugh as loudly as I want, and I can not wear abaya, and I can look as pretty as I want. In the university, it's just me being me. Hey, I'm here with my friend. <laughs> They're distrustful somewhat of the microphone. It's professional, dude. Bye bye. You know, it's the norm for girls to study now. It's not strange, it's not a big deal. What I want to do in life is I want to be a scientist, I want to get a master's. And then I want to get a PhD, and then I want to do a postdoc. This is my life plan. Hey, orange juice, please. Fresh water. Hi, it's me again. The date is December second, and we're at a steakhouse. Outback. It's a steakhouse called Outback. No, no, it's uh, Australian. Chain. It's called Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> okay, I'm with Majid, my oldest brother. I just ordered um, grilled salmon. And Majid, what did you order? Chicken fried chicken, which is a bit redundant. Um, we're sitting in the family section of the restaurant. It's part of the separating the sexes a little bit. So, do you mind if I do an interview with you? Uh, okay. Oh, so. How do you see your role as my brother? Like, what do you think your responsibilities are toward me? The responsibilities are many, but to sum up, if your father, my father, may God forbid, dies, then I will be the one who's in charge, what they call it in Arabic, the wali, the... the guardian, the guardian. Yeah. Just um, intervention for me. Male guardianship is like a thing in Saudi Arabia. So, for example, as a Saudi woman, you have to get permission to go to university or get married. It's one of the things we have to deal with. Anyway, back to the interview. So, yeah, what do you want me to do in the future? You? Yes, me. To be a great mom and to have a great uh, husband. Yeah. So when do you think I should get married? You should get married now. Now? <laughs> you are capable of getting married, so you should get married now, yeah. I will, inshallah, I will be capable in three or four years as no, well. No, no, you are now capable. Yes, and I was capable last year too. Yes, so you, miss, you are missing a lot of great opportunities. Actually, I think I will miss great opportunities if I do get married. I feel like if I get married, I have to be responsible towards my husband. And so that would stop me from doing the things I want to do. Being responsible for your husband is just very marvelous that you can, <laughs> you will forget everything else. <laughs> okay, wow. We're moving on. Um, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. 
Go ahead. When you will start covering yourself properly? I already am. So sometimes you're covering your face, sometimes not covering, sometimes. So it's a bit like hypocrisy or? No, it's not. I usually cover my face. Like when I, feel, when I have makeup on or when I'm going out and there are a lot of men in the place where I'm going, I cover my face. But sometimes I don't feel like it's needed. So subjective. Yes. What's the problem with that? Not what I think, what the Prophet and what the Quran tell you to do and to cover. <laughs> we, we both know there are a lot of opinions on this by the scholars, so you can't just... Now, according to the majority of the scholars, you should cover your body, excluding maybe, I could say, your hands, and maybe one hole for your eye, yeah. One hole for the eye? <laughs> what is this? I would trip over everything. Oh, please. You would never say this if I weren't recording. You know that. You're trying to shock people. Anyway, do you have any last things to add? Um, why you ask uh, a lot of questions? <laughs> I feel like since I'm recording this to an American radio show, I should explain that over here, um, when you're young, like you might grow up with a lot of guy friends as a little kid, but then one day you're supposed to start detaching yourselves from them, not seeing them anymore because now you have to cover up from them. I mean, I remember even with my cousin, when I was little, I would see him every day. And we used to kind of play our own games and stuff, sneak food to each other. It was fun. <laughs> and then one day, his voice was thick, my chest was bigger, and all of a sudden, you're not friends anymore. You only say, hi, how are you? And that's as far as it goes. It was like game over. It's been a really busy couple of weeks. And right now I am in the gym, in the female gym where I take my karate classes. There are several of us in the class. There are so few girls in Saudi Arabia who do karate. We're like the secret club. <laughs> We're like fight club. <laughs> When I'm practicing karate, I don't even think about anything else. Just turning myself the right way and breathing the right way and delivering efficient speed with the move. But mostly I, I love how it makes me feel better about myself. Anyway, the reason I was recording is because I want to rant a little bit. My dad seems to want me to stop taking karate classes. He's been saying that for a long time, but last night he was, uh, like, more insistent than usual. And he said, karate, it's just not natural. He probably thinks it's going to throw my femininity out the window or something. I don't know. And my mom doesn't like it either because I've been doing push-ups, so my arms are a little more toned now. My parents, what they want me to do is sit in the kitchen and learn how to cook for a future husband that I don't even know if I'm going to get married to. And that 
really, really annoys me. I don't want to be cooped up in the house. I want to be able to walk alone in the street and laugh loudly with my friends and not worry about how it looks or being able to breathe because I have to wear my niqab. I love, I love, I love Saudi. It's, it's my, it sounds corny, but it's my country. It's where I was born and where I was raised, you know, all that cliche stuff. But I just, I don't want to be here right now. And I can't believe this is happening. I'm not actually crying, but this is just my very happy voice. <laughs> Basically, okay, yeah, let's skip all the gory details. I have graduated as a clinical lab scientist. And before I start my internship, I'll be going to a genetics lab, the King Abdullah University for Science and Technology, which is like, it's a really prestigious university here. So I'm supposed to leave tomorrow. And the university is on the coast next to Jeddah in a city called Thuwal. And I'll be traveling on my own, which not a lot of women do. And my dad called me. He was like, you know, when you get on the plane, make sure you do not sit next to a man. And I was like, okay, yeah, don't worry. Oh, I need flip-flops. Okay. I'll only be going for two months, but I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, bye. This is Mesh, and yesterday I turned 20. I'm really glad I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm just gonna put on my gloves. Right now I'm working in the lab, a genetics lab. It's crazy how much I love looking under the microscope. You know, this is inside of us. This is what is happening inside my body, and this is what's making me who I am. What's the status on the kids' proteins? We need to quantify them. I am working with Philip, a man who is a PhD at the lab. Can you explain briefly what we're doing? We're comparing several methodologies to isolate DNA, RNA, and proteins. This is a mixed university, and the rules that apply to the rest, or to most of Saudi Arabia, don't apply here. So you're recording our experiments? Yes. Will it work? Will it not? Yep. Stay with us. Tune in at... After the break. <laughs> I don't mind being in an environment where there are men, but it's strange for me. 
There are lines, obviously, that I don't cross. I didn't shake hands with them. I made sure we didn't have any physical contact. Um, in terms of my family, they've accepted the fact that, like, this is my field of work. And so they, they trust me. Uh, there we go. Philip, yeah. it's gonna work. Yeah, inshallah. It will. Seriously, it's gonna work. I'm on a video call with my parents. Okay, My mother is saying that there's another person who wants to get married to me. In the past year, I got two proposals, I think. My mom says he's uh, very well-mannered and polite. His uh, professor sees him in the mosque. And then um, she handed me over to my dad. Oh, my dad said, you know, his dad is a professor of bacteriology. Bacteriology, that's so cool. Well, I just might marry him just for his father. So I asked my mom how she feels. She says, um, there's nothing that, that I would love more than for you to be with me forever and not get married at all, but you have to, you know, it's how, it's how life goes. So we'll just make sure that he's the right person. <laughs> okay. I'm probably going to say no. But I feel like there's a 1% chance that I'll change my mind. So I agreed to meet him in a few months. This is Mejd. It's been a couple of months since I last recorded. I'm back home and it's uh, the 13th, I think, of Ramadan, and it's Friday. And I'm here with my sister-in-law, Raghad, who is my brother's wife, you know, my brother, Majid. We're just sitting in my room, and I thought I would <laughs> record her. <laughs> She's asking me if it's okay to laugh, and I told her to just treat it like a normal conversation. um <laughs> So I asked her what her advice for me was in regards to marriage. She said, my advice is that if a good guy proposes who follows his religion correctly and has good manners, that you agree. She asked me if I actually want to get married. She says, I feel like you're really scared of marriage. I told her, well, yeah, I am really scared. And I feel like I like my alone time. And I can't imagine being really, you know, chilling in my room and, and somebody coming to me and asking me to cook for him. <laughs> she says, well, yeah, that. She 
She says, I used to feel the same way you do, that it's really scary and that it's so difficult. But thank God, it wasn't as hard as she thought it would be. She says that at first it's a little strange because you don't know that person, but as days go on, you get to know him better. Both of you, you get used to each other and end up loving each other. <laughs> and right then we were interrupted because Majid and my dad came in. So here's what happened. I met the guy who proposed to me. I don't want to say his name. I'll just refer to him as the guy. I really like the fact that the English language has the word guy, you know? It's like you don't have to say boy and you don't have to say man. You can say the guy. Anyway, the guy and his dad came. They were sitting in the men's section of the house. My mother and I, we were peeking through the door, but it was still too far to hear much. So we called my brother and we told him to keep his phone on speaker. And we muted the phone from our end so that we can hear them and they can't hear us. <laughs> Trust me, all families do that, okay? It's not just us. And then finally, they said, it's time. My mom tried to fix my hair and I said, no, just let me be. So I walked in. I thought he was pretty cute, actually. He made eye contact, proper eye contact. And he said, how are you? And I said, I was good. And I said, how are you? And he said he was fine. So he asked me first, what are my interests? I was like, I like genetics and I like karate. And he didn't seem to mind, you know, uh, which is good. My dad asked him how much of the Quran he has memorized. And the guy said, I try to read the chapter every day, but... I have a problem with memorizing things, even when I was in university. My dad was like, well, you know, Majd has won many competitions in Quran recitation, memorization. And I was like, dad, that was a long time ago. And then my dad was like, Majd, do you have any questions for him? So I asked the guy, what do you want to achieve in life? He was like, I want to change the way energy is used in Saudi Arabia. He said, we use a very old system and I want to invent something. I looked at him and I was like, yeah, nice. That's a good answer. And he was like, what about you? And I told him, I want to prove that being a Muslim Saudi woman who wears a headscarf, it doesn't stop me from being a scientist. And his eyes shone a little bit, you know, it was a good feeling. Hi, it's me again. It's 10 minutes to 3 in the morning. I'm in my room listening to songs and I can't sleep. Truthfully, this is embarrassing. I've just been thinking about love. You know, if I'll ever have a go at it. My potential future fiancé. 
he seems like a nice guy, a good guy. But I don't want to get married. Marriage is so much more than that. It's so much more. Like, you have to listen to what your husband says. It's a religious requirement. And even though I know that since God said it, then it's for the best, it's hard for me to comply with that. I just, I want to love someone and to have somebody love me back. But I don't want to be 20 years old and married. I'm too young for that. <sighs> Good night, I guess. <laughs> My cousin is angry because I don't want to put a lot of makeup on when I want something really soft. A lot has happened in the past few weeks. I said yes. Yeah, congratulations, my love. Thank you. <laughs> Today, I will be married. I, I feel good about this. I do. I, I wouldn't say I'm completely sure yet, because I still have only met him face to face twice, and one of them was like for two seconds. But he's so supportive of everything I want to do. And there's this thing he said, he asked me what I was scared of. And I said, a failing. I really want to make a difference, to change something. And I told him that in all probability, I won't. And he said, we'll push each other to the top. And that stuck with me. My mother just came. People are starting to arrive and I'm so nervous. I am so nervous. I'm going to go downstairs now. Oh, God. A year ago, if you had told me, I would have thought, me, getting married, no way. There's a verse in the Quran about the idea of nasib, which according to Google Translate means share. Like these are my shares in life. Being a Saudi Arabian, being a Muslim, this is my nasib. This is what's written for me and this is God's plan for me. This is my fate. <laughs> my dad told me that nasib is 80%. And your choices are 20%. In the end, we really don't control a lot of what happens around us. But at the same time, God gives us the freedom of choice. And I, I think I made the right choice. Okay. I think that's it. <laughs> this is Majd. Bye. Majd Abdulghani. Originally, her audio diary was going to end there, but there was one more person that Maj wanted to interview. 
Hi, this is Majd, and I'm here with Anmar, my husband. <laughs> you could say he's my husband, um, and I'm about to interview him. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> so what has it been like getting to know me? I've never had, like, I never talked to a girl like this. Mm. The only interaction was in work or maybe just passing by. It's been amazing. Do you think our marriage would be different than most Saudi marriages? I think so, yeah. Why? Like, what's the role of the wife? I don't like it when a husband just tells his wife, go cook something. <laughs> Ugh, I hate that too. Yeah. Oh my God. What I want is more of a partnership. Okay, good. But you wouldn't say that we're, that in the end you get mm. to decide no. if we ever disagree? No, I think you'll be the one who decides. <laughs> Why do you think that? You're stronger than me. What do you mean I'm stronger than you? What does that mean? I know, you, you, when you argue, you're a good debater. <gasps> do I scare you when I... <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, for me, the day we signed the marriage contract, it was the start of getting to know you for real. And I never thought I would meet someone like you, Anwar. Yeah, I I think I made the right choice by choosing to marry you. Do you think you made the right choice? Yes. <laughs> I'm really hungry for pizza now. <laughs> okay, bye. That was Mejd Abdulghani from an episode of Radio Diaries produced by Sarah Kate Kramer. It was first aired in 2017. By the way, at the end of our conversation, I asked Joe what's happened to Mej since the episode was made, and it turns out she's won a Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford, where she's studying for her PhD, and she's still married. Well, that does it for this episode of Foreign Policy Playlist. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. If you want to suggest a great podcast, we're all ears. You can email us at podcasts at foreignpolicy.com. And for more information about FP Podcasts, check out our website, foreignpolicy.com, or join our Facebook group. Today's show was produced by Darcy Palder, Rob Sachs, and Dan Efron. Our theme music was composed by Nolan Schneider. A big thanks to Joe Richmond of Radio Diaries for allowing us to air today's episode. I'm Jonathan Tepperman. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.